This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Despite the fact that, as you know, I don't believe in time, I find myself often wishing I had more of it for the things I want to do, the things that give me joy and peace and spark my creativity. But often, it feels like life's obligations can be overwhelming, and I run out of energy for the things that really matter to me. Therapy is a great way to help not only hone in on what's truly important to you, but also to plan how to include more of it in your life. I've found that through therapy, I've become more adept at empowering myself through setting boundaries, making self-care a priority in my day, and making time for mindfulness and rest. As a result, I'm not so afraid of time anymore. If you're hoping to start therapy and are looking for a convenient and flexible way to include it in your schedule, BetterHelp is a great option. It's entirely online, you complete a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you have the ability to switch therapists anytime you like, at no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash darkcold today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash darkcold. Let's make time for a breath before this week's episode. Breathe in slowly. Observe the breath for a moment. And exhale gently. Let's begin. Life has been happening rather relentlessly these days, whatever that means. It feels as though the world is blurring past me, like everything around me is being fast-forwarded. And yet always I seem to stay stuck in now. This is, I can only guess, an illusion. Nothing is blurring by. Change is perpetual. Growth is eternal. Decay is inescapable. But if we put our trust in the law behind all that, 
we can surf the tide of now, rather than stand still as a shipwreck stuck at the bottom of the sea beneath it. And there is, somewhere, a version of me that fears running out of time before I am able to have everything I want. Which is silly, because there isn't really a having, there is just experiencing. It will all go one day anyway. But there is, somewhere, a version of me who grapples with the idea. With fear of time. And time is caught up in mortality. And while both affect our lives deeply, neither must necessarily be connected with truth or finitude. But I feel shivers of fright, ripples of longing, doubt, very much doubt. Oh dear, that want, that longing, despairing, aching longing for... Forgive me, that was strange. Where was I? Huh. Oh well. It'll come back to me, I guess. You know, whenever I feel particularly rattled by time, I visit someone who lives just outside of this castle. Through the dark library where a hungry librarian eats pages and pages of hateful words by the spoonful, across a dark and desolate snowy forest where eyes watch in the shadows, and you must always be prepared at any moment to run, over to a quaint little wooden cottage, lit from the inside with candlelight and a flickering orange fire. Inside that cottage, there is an old woman who wears a blindfold to hide the wisdom of countless universes in her eyes. She received the mantle of not-mother from a woman before her, and she bestowed the mantle to another young woman after her, but she is still currently it, too. You can't shake the galaxies from your eyes. Honestly, I don't know which one she is. The first, the last, the maiden, the mother, the crone. It's always changing at any given time for each of us, and ultimately those roles don't matter anyway. Not when one deals in the world of non or not. Which isn't a pushing away, or a rejection, but rather an embracing, an expanding to include, a brave rebellion against being cornered into an identity. I am not narrator, not Kristen, not here, not there. See how freeing that is? Anyway. She is the not-mother. 
and she waits within. There is a woman sitting by the fire, a young woman in a warm sweater and messy braids in her hair. She has traveled long to come here. Her eyes are red from weeping. The not-mother stands further away, pouring tea into cups from a pot, feeling for the spout and the rim of the cup before trusting her hands to know their way without her eyes. The tea is boiling hot, and she doesn't spill a single drop. They are having a conversation that we can hear from the crack in the door if we press our ears against it. I find myself thinking of it so often, not mother. I want this so badly, but I know it's not possible. It's not right, it's bad. It is? Well, a baby wouldn't be bad. A baby would be pure and good. But it's the wanting that's bad. It's bad to want things? No, it's not bad to want things. It's bad to get caught up in them. Maybe it's not bad to want things. It's all right. It's all right to feel a certain way about not having things you want. That's all right. You're allowed to be upset for that. Even if I know it's not the right choice. You came here because you wanted a baby. Yes. Really? Or the pain to stop. Oh, yes. I know this story. This is one I've collected a few times now. Once upon a time, there was a woman who wanted a child. So many fairy tales begin this way, and while they may or may not have a happy ending, they must begin with suffering, with want, with longing, with a person's pain being driven to such depths that they must turn to magic. But if a thing must be got with magic, it may happen that it was never meant to be got in the first place. Think of every love spell you wish you could have cast in your youth. Is it a curse or a blessing that they were, as I'm assuming they were, unsuccessful? But old witches know this. And it so happens that they are also the ones best equipped to perform such spells of wanting and getting. A desperate person's best hope is that the witch at the outskirts of their village is a benevolent one, and not a selfish one. As luck would have it, they most often are. And so... This woman who wanted a child went to see a witch in a cottage. She had heard miraculous things about her. Her eyes cannot see the world around her, but they can see the past, present, and future. And all manner of things and souls and events within them. It is not that she is blind, but it is that her eyes are busied with images of cosmos and the weaving of the great tapestry, and the soul within souls among souls between souls surrounding souls. 
with such great power. What could a witch such as this not do? The woman passed through a treacherous shadow land, full of mystery and confusion and a changing landscape. Towards a haunted castle, full of invisible ghosts and unusual monsters and rooms that were as alive as either of those. Through the dark library where a hungry librarian eats pages and pages of hateful words by the spoonful. Across a dark and desolate snowy forest where eyes watch in the shadows and you must be always prepared at any moment to run. Over to a quaint little wooden cottage, lit from the inside with candlelight and a flickering orange fire. She knocked on the door and was allowed in, allowed the most comfortable seat by the fire, allowed a cup of tea, and allowed the chance to talk freely with a good listener. It's the unconditional love for something, from something, something pure. Hmm. We're all pure, and you can love anything unconditionally. Yes, it's hard, but there are those who have loved everything unconditionally. Those people have existed and will continue to come through. Yes. Yes. Like you. I'm not like that. You are. You can be. You were. You will be. You are. The future me is, maybe, not future. No future. Right. Not future. The one who is. The one who knows that. The woman who came so far to visit the not-mother to ask for the most fairy tale want of all wants, to ask for the blessing of a child, fell silent. And the not-mother sipped her tea allowing the other woman a moment to think before continuing on. Every person, big or small, young or old, sinner or saint, all pure, all babies to love, all were once, and so are and will be. When do they stop being when are you not the baby you were on the day you were born? I still want a baby, though. I understand. There are reasons, there are forces, there are workings in your life that may or may not grant you this desire, my sweet. The pain is great, mother. Yes. The pain is always great. My heart breaks for the world in its pain. If I could bring something as pure and good as a baby into it, it would bring some joy for a time and to a few. Yes, you could bring joy to many. You do bring joy to many. Just you, as you are. Yes. Yes. I still want it, Mother.
I wrote a whole second half to that dialogue. Then I closed my eyes to listen to the not-mother within me, to try and answer my own questions, to wipe the woman in my mind's tears away. But when I opened my eyes again, half of the dialogue was gone, just erased from the screen. How did I lose the second half of this dialogue, like it never even happened? I don't recall deleting it. I can't get it back by pressing the redo command. It's gone. I did a lot of trying to explain stuff. Unexplainable things. Maybe that's why it up and deleted itself. No use trying to explain the unexplainable when faith is what's needed. I'm sorry. I've lost myself once more. Where were we? Oh, yes. Looking into the scene of the cottage. Following a little dialogue between an old witch hiding the stars in her eyes with a blindfold, and a young woman with a most painful want. We should head back soon, though. The eyes in the woods are growing closer. I can begin to hear the breath of the creatures' bodies those eyes belong to. They are waiting, as they always are, biding their time to see who comes in and out of the cottage. But let's peer back in through the window just a little more, just to see whether or not the woman will be given her heart's desire. There's no one inside. They're both gone. And the fire has gone out, all the candles along with it. The forest is dark, much too dark, the light of the moon obscured by shadow and falling snow. It's so cold. Where did they go? And how will I find my way back to the castle? in this darkness. Someone's out here with us. Maybe the beasts of the wood, waiting, closing in, made bold by the darkness. Let's turn around slowly. Maybe they won't see us if we move so, so, Slowly. <sighs> it's a child. A little child. Small. Only a few years in their life. A little child with curls in her hair and large brown eyes full of tears. Nose running from weeping, 
she wipes at her nose and hugs a toy zebra tight to herself, shivering in the cold. What are you doing out here, little one? She is so familiar. The yellow eyes in the woods come closer, and I can see the monster's teeth and the gold peeking out from between them. Their terrible grins widen, and they drool as they see a vulnerable little thing to snap up. Let's get you out of here. I run, and the child extends her arms out to me, and I sweep her up and hold her tight in mine, and we move fast, so fast, swift as the wind. She smells like fresh tomatoes from a long-ago garden. She feels like a body that used to be my body. I know that zebra, don't I? I hold her tight, and I protect her from those things chasing us with coins in their mouths and avarice in their smiles. We run through the snow so quickly that we can't feel our ears anymore. The hungry librarian holds open the door to the dark library, and her mouth is dripping with blood, and I worry for a moment that the child will be afraid of her. But the librarian softens at the sight and wipes it quickly before she has a chance to see. She is a kind librarian, and I will bow to her later in thanks. Together we run through the dungeons, and I worry she'll hear the cries of the monsters in there, but they too remain silent at the presence of a child. Up the stairs, down dark hallways, there are torches in the walls that light themselves up because it is dark and frightening for a child. And the castle, the intelligent and sensitive castle, knows this and makes itself brighter and warmer. We go through a door. I'm not sure which door, but we go in, and I set her down on a comfortable chair, and then I shut the door behind us. Then I turn to look at her in the firelight. We've somehow made it back to the story room. I keep coming back here. Story or no. I look into my own face as it once was. Tiny and afraid and pure. For a moment, her teary eyes fill with a vast nighttime sky full of swirling stars. And mine do, too. And we both jump a little, startled to see it. She is afraid again because of this, and begins to cry once more even louder, the weeping that can only come in a safe and quiet place, a release, that kind of crying. 
and I wrap her up in my arms again. I know this child. I was this child. I am this child. I finally found her. Little one, it's all right. You're safe now. Little sweetheart, my angel, it's all right. This is my child, my baby. The one I left behind when I grew up. Holding tight to her little toy she doesn't yet know isn't real or cannot feel. The belief she has gives it life, gives it value, gives it feeling. And I hug that little zebra, too. I remember it. A little witch in her own right. A little not-mother. Breathing life into the inanimate, eh? I will never be ashamed of loving her as much as I do. This little me, I forget sometimes. Come have a cuddle by the fire. What will make you feel better? A little story, maybe? Not now. All right. What about a lullaby? Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the castle. Thank you so much for listening and joining me. This is Kristen Zaza, your writer, narrator, host, not mother, podcaster, composer, etc. This was episode 262, and I hope you're doing well. 
may be finding time to nurture and love your inner child. Or tell it ghost stories. Whatever it is that will make them feel better. Sending warm thanks to everyone who is a part of my Patreon community and supports the show on a monthly basis. Thank you for your kindness, my friends. I deeply appreciate it. On Patreon, everyone who pledges $1 US or more a month gets access to my complete downloadable soundtrack, while everyone who pledges $5 US or more gets that, a monthly tarot reading video every full moon, and a weekly bonus quick moment meditation episode. You can learn more at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. The quick moment meditations are also available through a subscription to the Sonar Plus Apple Podcasts channel. You can access that by searching On a Dark Cold Night on iTunes. It costs $3.99 a month, and you can also access other great bonus content from other Sonar Network shows. You can donate one time only without any perks at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight, or you can buy a t-shirt or hoodie at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. I would also love if you left a rating and a review on iTunes, Facebook, Spotify, or wherever else you like to rate and review podcasts. You can follow me on social media on Facebook or YouTube under On a Dark Cold Night, on Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast, on Blue Sky and TikTok at Kristen Zaza, or on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night. In the way of a little more news, I'm going to be adding another volume of favorite little songs from On a Dark Cold Night to Spotify and other music streamers within the next few weeks, probably. You can catch the first album there already, and keep an eye out for the second one coming soon? Question mark. Thank you again for listening and joining me. It is easy to love children unconditionally, in their innocence and in their purity and their innate goodness. It is harder to see in grown-ups that same child they once were, and to see that they are, each and every one, still a child that deserves unconditional love. It is even harder to see that child who deserves unconditional love in yourself. I hope that, when you need it most, you will. And so will I. Lots of love. Sweet dreams. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.